Just one verse um, here, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. Amen. Well, I want to simply divide this. Um, you probably could guess the three parts that I want to give you here from this single verse. The first one is going to, we're going to talk about the diligence that Peter enjoins us to. Then secondly, the moral excellence, that's how the New American Standard puts it, but I'm going to call it virtue. I think it's easier to say, and I think those of you who have New King James versions and ESVs, um, the scriptures say virtue. So we're going to say diligence, virtue, and then the third would be knowledge. These are our three points tonight. You want to keep your Bible handy. We'll look at some other uh, verses here as we discuss these themes. Now, uh, Peter is, uh, was telling us last week about the precious and magnificent promises that are ours in the Lord Jesus Christ and how uh, these promises, uh, by the application of faith to them, help us uh, to escape the world and the flesh and the devil and to begin to live a life of sanctification. So now Peter is going to uh, enjoin that in the pursuit of sanctification, uh, the, in the growth of our faith, that we do these following things. And this lasts for a few verses, but we're going to just simply look at verse 5 here tonight. And the first thing we see is he says, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith. And then he says, supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence knowledge. But let's think together about this first part. For this very reason, and what is this very reason? Well, this very reason is what we just said in verse 4. Because we have been blessed by God, by the Holy Spirit. We've escaped the lusts of the flesh, and we have escaped the world and its corruptions by the regenerating work of the Spirit of God. You have been born again if you be in Jesus Christ tonight. And that is a work of wonder, that the Spirit has caused you to be born uh, again, your soul has been renewed and brought to life. The Bible says that without this work of regeneration, uh, this world is one giant funeral home, uh, spiritually. And uh, if you were to go to a funeral home, boys and girls, and you went up to one of the corpses that was laid out in state that uh, you could touch him, but he would not feel anything, you could speak, but he couldn't hear anything. That's our condition spiritually, apart from Christ. Christ has made us alive. He has given us a new hope. Uh, we are born from above. We're born from the power of heaven. We're no longer of this world. We, are no, longer, we no longer belong to this world, though we live in it. Uh, we live for the world that is coming and soon will be consummated. And for this very reason, Peter is saying, in light of what God has already done in the work of regeneration, in light of the promises that are ahead for the believer, be diligent. Apply all diligence here. Now, what is diligence? Well, I looked it up just in an ordinary dictionary, and it said steady, earnest, and energetic effort. Steady, earnest, and energetic effort. So that we be earnest in our pursuit of Christ, earnest in our Christian walk, having escaped this corruption of the world by the grace of God, 
How are we to respond to this newfound liberty? We serve the Lord with diligence, with earnestness, and with zeal. Joel Beakey, in his book, Living Zealously, gives us a lot of verses to consider. Look with me at Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. Romans chapter 12 is important, young people, because this is the chapter where Paul begins to apply all the doctrine that he has been teaching in the book of Romans. Chapters 1 through 11 is kind of the the theology of Paul. But then when you get to chapter 12, you get to the application of Paul's theology. And when we get to verse 1, he says, Now, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, kind of like what Peter's doing in verse 5, in light of what God has already done, he says, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We'll see that in the third point. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now jump down to verse 11, though. There's a lot of other exhortations that Paul gives, but here's the part that applies to our first point in Peter. He then says in verse 11, this is the NAS here, not lagging behind in diligence, keeping up, uh, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, not falling behind, but being fervent. You could look at Revelation chapter 3. And verse 19 as well. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19. Those whom I love, Jesus says, to the church at Laodicea. Those, remember, this is a church that was a little sluggish. He says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, he says, be zealous and repent. Be diligent. Be zealous. Zeal. Earnestness. Adds luster to our, our faith. You could look at Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 reads like this. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had, op- he had windows open toward Jerusalem. He continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. That is, when the petition to stop all worship except that which the king said he could do, Daniel said, nope, I'm going I'm to continue in zeal and I'm going to pray towards Jerusalem. Uh, and he did. And that, of course, led to his arrest, which led to his deliverance. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 38. <clears throat> Hebrews 11 verse 38. We are told uh, this is called the Hall of Faith chapter where a lot of famous believers from the Old Testament are mentioned. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 38, I'll just give you verse 37 for context. They, that is these men and women who were faithful to God, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, And then it says, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Notice here he says, and 
all of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would be made perfect. And then notice the application to that in verse 1 of the next chapter. Therefore, that is in light of all these godly examples, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay excuse me, let us also <clears throat> lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. That we run with how, boys and girls? That we run with diligence. What does it mean to lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles? That is, remove the things that get in your way to following the Lord diligently, faithfully, uh, zealously. And there, there are other passages that we could uh, look at. Joel Beakey, again, in, on page 42 of his book, Living Zealously, uh, asks us to consider how much time has already been lost and wasted in her life, uh, as though we had all the time of eternity in this world before we come to God. We should recognize how much we've already squandered and improve the time that God gives us. We are to apply all diligence. Now, how do we apply diligence? Well, we are to use the means of grace, aren't we? How do I be diligent? I would suggest if you're struggling with diligence, begin with small steps, short, regular uses of the means of grace. It's easier to read a single chapter and pray a short prayer um, <clears throat> and then try and do it again later in the day than to try and have a longer 45-minute period of quiet time or family worship. Try and get regular in the means of grace, even if that means that you're uh, doing it for a shorter period of time. Um, you have to remember that our spiritual life, our soul is... is um, not unlike our bodies, in the sense that our bodies need an amount of exercise and, uh, and help and discipline. And so anybody who has experienced, if you've ever experienced an injury that kind of sidelined you from your, your normal exercise routine, you know that when the, you do finally come to your point of recovery, you don't begin where you were prior to the injury. But you, you need to take those small steps. If you're a runner, you, you know, you don't do the, the six plus miles a day that you used to do prior to turning your ankle. You, you start off, you do a mile, you see how it feels, you ice, you stretch it, you know, and then, you know, if you can do it again the next day or wait a day in between. So it is also with our call to be diligent. It may be that tonight you're not in a place to be zealous. You're, maybe you're not in a place to hear a sermon on zeal. Uh, but you have to start where you are. Um, if you feel faint or if you feel burned out in the things of the Lord, then um, I would recommend a, a couple things. First of all, as I said, there's a correlation between the body and the soul. And so if we feel faint or burned out in the things of the Lord, Maybe the problem is not spiritual. We first maybe need to check our body and, and see, are, are we getting enough sleep? Is my diligence 
uh, hindered because I'm, I'm overly fatigued. Um, you may need to check your diet and exercise. Martin, uh, Al Martin, Pastor Al Martin, Reformed Baptist minister who's retired now, but um, he, he would say, you are not a disembodied spirit. You are not an angel. So quit acting like you're an angel. R.L. Dabney, 19th century Southern Presbyterian, uh, said, you know, that do not go against nature. Um, you know, God is, God is giving you limitations. You are a creature. And so it may be that you need to uh, get some sleep, get some rest, maybe go out of town. Sometimes breathing sea air can help refresh you, make you feel better. It may not always be a spiritual problem that's causing a, a lack of diligence. Jesus led his disciples away for a season of refreshment. He made them get in the boat. That was about, it's sometimes during their ministry, you know, their time on the boat crossing the lake back and forth was the only time they had alone. It was like the only way they could get away from everybody. And Jesus said, come, let us go to a lonely place. Um, the lumberjack who is wise, what does he do? He doesn't just chop trees all day long. This is back in the day before the chainsaw, boys and girls. But what would the lumberjack do? And we don't even use chainsaws anymore. We have caterpillars. Have you ever seen that stuff? That is amazing. Look it up on YouTube. Those giant machines can grab an entire tree, plop, lop it, and it's, it is on the truck in a matter of about 30 seconds. It's incredible. Anyway, the lumberjack, though, uh, does what? He sits down and, and he sharpens the sword. The Bible says that sometimes we need to stop and, and sharpen the axe. Otherwise, we're going to have to exert more strength. So it may be that we, we need to do some of those things. Now, after checking physical matters, then we should consider uh, the soul and consider shorter uh, devotional exercises if need be. If I've fallen back, from being diligent, you know, I was diligent, you know, six months ago. I was, you say, Pastor, I was pretty diligent six months ago, but the last two months, I've, I've not been too diligent. Um, well, <clears throat> start where you are and, and forget about where you were six months ago. Let's start where you are. Let's, let's start taking small steps. Read that chapter uh, in the morning. Read that chapter at night. Keep it short. Richard Pratt has said that he would much prefer families do uh, short and consistent family worship than to do long and inconsistent family worship. So we have the command here to be diligent. I want to move on to the others. Secondly, we see that in addition to adding to our faith uh, um, diligence, we are also to supply, it says, moral excellence or virtue. Now, the word virtue, I think, has probably fallen on hard times. Our, our culture, I think, is a bit cynical uh, that there is even such a thing uh, as virtue. I think they think, oh, that's kind of a sanctimonious word there when they hear people speak of virtue here. But we are to add to our diligence a godly conduct. Now, how do we um, add to godly conduct um, I would suggest um, here, if you want to take your hymnal, 
and turn back again to the, the larger catechism, you'll note here there is a whole section. And now it's in your shorter catechism too, but the answers are, of course, in the larger catechism a lot longer. But look at, for example, page 959, excuse me, 958. <clears throat> and I want to just give you an example of this, where that is, we're dealing with this subject of supplying moral excellence. Well, if we are to supply moral excellence to our Christian life, virtue to our Christian life, we need to be regularly informed by the teaching of the scriptures as to what this looks like. Now, I think one of the genius aspects of the catechism, particularly the larger catechism, is the detail that the divines go into with regard to Christian ethics. So I'm just going to read you a few things here, and you can follow along, page 958 from, let's just talk about the ninth commandment, okay? You don't hear much about the ninth commandment or the tenth commandment. What is the ninth commandment? The answer in 143, the ninth commandment is, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Now, then it goes on and it talks about the do's and the don'ts, okay, of bearing false witness. Look at uh, the next question, 144. What are the duties required in the ninth commandment? That is, how do you supply moral virtue with regard to this commandment? And notice here the detail they go into. The duties required in the ninth commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man and the good name of our neighbor. So right there you learn, okay, as a Christian, I am to promote truth with my neighbors, my friends, family, but I'm also, notice the very next thing they get into. I am to promote the good name of my neighbor. Now, how many times do we go through the course of a week and we hear a negative report from somebody in the community about somebody else in the community? You probably, many of you, if you're out there in the workplace, probably don't even go a week without hearing negative reports, ill things spoken of by others. I remember one time I was in this place and there were all these kind of loud women at this table. And I, and I don't know who they were talking about. I had a guess, but... But I thought, that poor woman, and I did two things. I prayed for that woman that they were talking about, and I prayed for those women who were talking about her. Because it was just almost embarrassing to me to be you know, standing where I was in their vicinity, and they were so self-absorbed they had no idea that you know, their conversation could be heard elsewhere. But, um, but here's an example of the Westminster Divines. They're saying, look, this is a very practical thing. One of the things I... Why I want to encourage the larger catechism, at least to, to help you read, to study, to meditate, think over these things. Because these are really practical things that have to do with everyday life. And here Peter is saying we're supposed to be adding moral excellence to our conduct. And by studying this, I think it will help train you in what that looks like. So let me just keep reading here. And the good name of our neighbor, as well as our own, appearing and standing for the truth, and from the heart, sincerely, freely, clearly, fully speaking the truth, and only the truth in matters of judgment and justice and in all other things whatsoever, a charitable esteem of our neighbors, loving, desiring, rejoicing in their good name, sorrowing for covering of their infirmities, freely acknowledging of their gifts and graces, defending their innocency, 
a ready receiving of a good report and an unwillingness to admit of an evil report concerning them. Discouraging talebearers, flatterers, slanderers, love and care of our own good name, defending it when it need requireth, keeping the lawful promises, studying, practicing of whatsoever things are true, honest, lovely, and of good report. And so it even talks about how we need to be people of our word, etc. Then look at the forbidden. What's forbidden by this commandment in question 145? The sins forbidden in the ninth commandment are all prejudicing the truth and the good name of our neighbors as well as our own, especially in public judicature. Giving false evidence, suborning false witnesses, wittingly appearing and pleading for an evil cause. No pleading of evil causes. Outfacing and overbearing the truth, passing unjust sentence, calling evil good and good evil, rewarding the wicked according to the work of the righteous and the righteous according to the work of the wicked, forgery, <coughs> kids, no, no forging mom and dad's name, okay? Concealing the truth. I know you guys don't do that, right? Do homeschoolers skip school? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Forgery, concealing the truth, undue silence in a just... I went to a public school, kids. Uh, undue silence in a just cause, holding our peace when iniquity calleth for either a reproof from ourselves or complaint to others, speaking the truth unseasonably or maliciously to a wrong end, or perverting it to a wrong meaning, uh, or in doubtful, equivocal expressions. And it goes on. We, we don't have time. Uh, but look at all these applications um, that you find in the larger catechism for how you can supply moral excellence, uh, godly conduct uh, to your faith. The last one is knowledge that we're going to spend time on tonight. So we see diligence, virtue, and then Peter calls us to add to our faith also knowledge. Well, we are called by the Scriptures to love God with all our mind. Now, R.C. Sproul has contended that we live in an anti-intellectual age. Um, he may be right about that. Sometimes some people take pride in how little uh, they know of things rather than seeking to improve their understanding of things. The scripture says that because the Holy Spirit has regenerated you, you have the mind of Christ now. What does that mean? Well, it means that God has given you the ability to absorb his truth. Remember, the, the things of God's word are spiritually appraised, and it takes a renewed mind to understand rightly the things that the Spirit says in the word. But in addition, though, however, as we saw from Romans chapter 12 when I read verse 1, we are to improve our understanding of the word. We are to renew, have our minds renewed uh, through the scriptures. Psalm chapter 1 says that the godly meditates on the word day and night. I would add, in addition to Bible reading, uh, that you consider Christian books. Now here again, if you're not a great uh, and big reader, um, you can, there are lots of short Christian books out there. And I'd be glad to give you titles to short Christian books if you prefer. 
Also, as I put in for the reading of the larger catechism, let me also uh, consider, have you consider, um, studying the shorter catechism as well. In the introduction to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, uh, Dr. Sinclair Ferguson tells a story about two women uh, that he knew of in a church who were teaching a group of children. And the children began to ask a, a series of tough theological questions. One of the women began to answer those questions quite readily. The other woman kind of sought, sat rather in awe of the other woman answering all these questions. After they were done and the kids went away, she turned to the other woman and said, how did you know all the answers to those questions they were asking you? And she said, well, it's, they're all in the shorter catechism. And that by memorizing the catechism, it gave her th that uh, ability to answer questions that the kids were raising. Um, this is important, especially for you moms. It has been said that uh, you moms are the first theologian that your children will ever encounter. And therefore, we need to apply knowledge to our diligence and to our virtue. We need to be ready to answer the questions that are going to come your way. Children will have important questions that they will ask at a very young age. And you, moms, are their first teacher uh, of these things, meaning in the sense that you will have more occasion and opportunity to answer those questions here. So apply knowledge to uh, your Christian walk as well. Let's uh, close here. Let's pray. We'll sing and be dismissed. Father, we thank you for our lesson tonight and do ask that by your spirit we would apply these three things that Peter has brought to our attention. We thank you, Lord, for the grace that we have in Christ. We pray that these commands and exhortations would be a help to all of us in some form or fashion, Lord, we really would apply something that we heard tonight. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name.